0: The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful heavy-duty portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast-aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly Chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's November the 3rd, 2023, and this is episode number nine. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Kyle driving the Tesla Model 3 Highland Refresh, the reveal of the Volkswagen ID. Seven Tour, Chevy Equinox EV getting priced higher than its original target, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the congenial Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And we also have the manly Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily <laughs> Podcast. If only. Which, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Conner joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of of Studios, where he produces high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Hey there, everybody. Good to
2: see you all. Hello. So, hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Before, before we get going, I just want to point out, I don't know if uh, the followers saw our... Um, Midweek interview with John McElroy last week, but um, on the UAW strike, if you haven't check that out after the show, because I, th- I think he, John, he's such a pro. And uh, that was that was a really good interview. So if you guys haven't seen that, check it out.
1: Yeah, lots of great insight, sir, from, from John McElroy uh, on that. I, I pronounce his name wrong at the very beginning is so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I just hope I never run into Marquise, Marcus Brownlee anywhere. <laughs> Me and Marquis are cool. <laughs> inside joke. Anyway, uh, so this week, I don't think we have a EV News Daily Weekly reporting roundup for you. there's such a, it's, okay. a, it's
0: such a stupid reason as well. Uh, our clocks changed last week. I think yours changed this weekend. Um, and I, I was working this morning, and I thought, great, this is the hour. It takes me an hour to make that, to research and record and add all the B, sort of cutaway shots. And uh, I was like, oh, no, 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 we're going live. So uh, stupid reason, I can't tell the time.
1: So is that why it's still dark there in your little office?
0: Yeah, I don't know what's happened. One of my lights has gone off as well. Oh. It's like <laughs> the whole thing is just falling apart. You're having right. a lot
2: of malfunctions in that uh, studio <laughs> recently, Martin. You know, the, your your, know. your window shade fell down. Now the light was working. On. I mean, we we got to get you a raise or something. You need to put some money into that office over there, and uh, you know, well, step it up a bit.
0: It's not as it seems. I, I think I showed, uh, I don't, I was on a, we did, we, did, we did a chat the other night and I was on the phone with Kyle and he was like, show me behind the camera. And I spun the camera around and it's like, this is just chaos. It's like, it's a storeroom. Uh, this all looks quite, you know, there's lights. And it's someone's like, posh. I, I, I yeah, posh. no, no, no. You look behind the camera and it's, uh, you work out why it's falling apart.
1: <laughs> hey, so I'm a little uh, curious, Kyle, where are you this morning? I,
3: I am in uh, beautiful Utah.
1: Okay, because you get that beautiful Utah sunset coming up behind you. Uh, sunrise. Sunrise, right. Sun yes. coming up. Yes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> at the Richfield, Utah Supercharger. Uh, there's okay. a hotel here. So uh, we're driving back from Las Vegas, uh, from SEMA uh, to Colorado. And I'm actually, as soon as I get there, I'm switching cars, jumping in the Rivian, and driving to the East Coast uh because we have a whole bunch of programs coming up cool stuff this week excited to share with everyone but um yeah so i was just you know this was as far as we could make it to uh it's me drew and alyssa all cruising in the model s so we're like okay multiple rooms got the supercharger here this is where we'll stay for the night
1: perfect sounds great so do you want to talk about SEMA, or do you are you at it because i haven't seen any SEMA content on your on your youtube channel i've seen a bit on on twitter and stuff do you want to yeah. Some of the well, things? it's coming
3: happen? through YouTube, uh okay. certainly on its on its way uploading as we do this podcast. So, oh, uh yeah, a bunch of stuff. Sema of course is uh, for those of you who don't know is it is definitely the largest auto show of the year for the aftermarket. It's sort of turning into a little bit of a lifestyle event for vehicles. It encompasses all areas of cars, which I enjoy. They have lifted pavement princess bro trucks, which are like, okay, that's what people think. That's what I think of what I think of SEMA. That's like actually not the largest portion of the show. There's true hardcore off-roading and overlanding. There's sports cars and hypercars, um, some of the craziest vehicles on the planet. There's a, an electric section now with tons of modified electric cars and also a ton of conversions of either classic or modern vehicles converted to electric. And, um, you know, SEMA just exploding. There were so many people. I mean, you could barely move around and it's absolutely insane. Um, And it represents the detailing community, the home workshop community. uh, There's vehicle you know, service center stuff, equipment. And then there's another show, Tangent to SEMA, which I also attended called Apex, which is like an in-industry show. And it's a lot of suppliers, really small suppliers meeting with larger suppliers, meeting with automakers and just a whole craziness going on in Las Vegas this week. So I flew from, uh, last I saw you was in Germany on my way to go drive the new Model 3. Mm -hmm. And uh, I flew from there after that to Colorado Road trip the Model S to Vegas. We're on the return, and then I'm heading to the East Coast. So super great and just crazy. Yeah, like this Jeep had a Jeep. Um, (laughs) It's a Jeep squared. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, dog. I heard you like Jeeps.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Give give, give me a Jeep on your Jeep.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It. it, This is. It was insane. And this obviously, like, there were even crazier stuff than this. So really, just insane. Uh, What I focused on, I made a whole almost. Fifty-minute video, uh, not unusual for us, about uh, the EV conversion industry. We went through the major players in the industry. Uh, My friend Jerome Andre, who runs a great, actually physical magazine and online website called EV Builders Guide, Uh, was really the only media covering the conversion space. And he's like Kyle, and and he's a viewer. We've been friends for a while. It's like you really got to film, you got to cover this, you got to see what everyone's up to, and it's next level. Um,
1: That's that's very cool. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah,
2: no,
1: So, yeah, EV conversions, that's pretty I've used to follow that really closely for a while. I mean, but it's, you know, just dropped off like with, a, yeah. But, and you used to follow EVTV as well for a while. I mean, that's what they did. They really concentrated on, on conversions. A lot of, you know, Volkswagen-based uh, vehicles, but now, what, what kind of, you didn't see a whole lot of Volkswagen stuff there, or was it kind of expanding it out in there to...
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, a couple of buses that people had converted. Sure. You'll always see those. They're just easy. They're space. Uh, they, there was a vehicle that wasn't really known for its combustion engine. So it's not like sacrilege to convert them. Uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things you can do. But yeah, there were crazy builds all the way to a completely bespoke uh, Ferrari Testarossa that was um, sort of upgraded and modified with a central seating position that was, you know, had an 85 kilowatt hour battery pack and 400 horsepower. And it just like, totally modernized, really cool. And the cool part about that was it was from a whole bunch of crashed cars that would have never made it back on the road. So it wasn't like they were chopping up a functional vehicle. This was, you know, they were actually stunt cars from a movie that were just rusting away. And that was done by Gas Monkey Garage. Um, Richard, who's a famous, the guy who owns it, really famous guy in the the car world. Uh, Getting into EV, I really loved to see that. There was a uh, Mercedes. You, I, I don't really like replicas personally, personally, but there was a Model Three chassis um, that looked like a Mercedes 300 SL. It was a fiber class body, but it literally had like everything was a Tesla. It had um, autopilot still working. It had supercharging still working. It was insane, and it you know there's nothing that looks like a Tesla in that car. So that'll be in the video that goes up today, and I think everyone will really enjoy this one because Jerome is so knowledgeable. He knows about legacy ev and all of these other major players and we talk about who's doing what who's legit what's the safety of this how do builds happen really really nice overview i hope everyone enjoys it
1: yeah i'm gonna enjoy that i'm looking forward to that that's good when does it come out
3: uh yeah it's it's uh, uploading it has hold Today on let
1: 39 minutes left on the upload okay damn all right hey uh martin can you bring up a picture of that um mustang and Kyle's feed. Because uh, yes, I, I will. Let me find about, that. Because that's one of the vehicles that you have, like a few pictures of. That's kind of like a OEM spec. So you have this crazy uh, Mustang Mach E, and it kind of puts like the Mach E Rally, the official Ford Mach E Rally, to shame because it's like next level <laughs> off roading looking beast. Look at this thing. If we move along to the front, so you got big hooks on the front, big tow hooks on the front. And you got your big electric bike rack on the back and all kinds of fancy little add-ons. But the frunk is where the action is. Check out this frunk. Big old winch inside the frunk that feeds through the front of the car. That's like amazing. That's like I've never seen anything quite like that. And does, the front doesn't, I mean, the Mustang Mach-E doesn't usually, I mean, the frunk space in there. Oh, and also headlights along the front. I love those the round headlights integrated into the hood. That's nice. Yeah. Tell, tell, can, you, can you tell us about this car, Kyle?
3: Yeah, well, I think Ford uh, needs a lot of credit for honestly getting a larger audience into electric vehicles and doing it in a cool way. Um, this is something that I believe a company called Chin, T-J-I-N, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, uh, produced and it was at the official Ford booth. But uh, you have to give Ford props for saying, OK, we are fully embracing electric. That brand uh, from, from all of the existing automakers went head first beyond anyone else. Um, and they're trying to make EVs cool. They've always done these sort of one-off EV projects, whether it's the Cobra Jet crazy situation or the Maki 1400 drift car or the super van um, that's fully electric that ran at Pikes Peak. And now you see them having a display of this sort of Baja inspired Mach-E um, way beyond what they could sell in a series production rally version. Um, just shows how cool that company is, in my impression, that they're willing to, uh, you know, showcase EVs. It was really the talk of everyone at SEMA being like, oh, no, like, I mean, they had crazy, you know, they have a factory 800 horsepower, new Mustang, that's just insane with the warranty and all that, you know, they had that in a different area. But this was the only automaker representing with electric vehicles that I could tell. Really, so you have to give them huge props for it. And uh, yeah, SEMA is not really like a real EV thing yet. I mean, it's still kind of taboo. Um, you know, they they have the Boring Company uh, tunnel with all the Teslas running, and that was pretty much standing in line and talking to everyone like everyone's first ride in an EV, if you will. Like a lot really? of people were just getting wow. exposed to it. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a lot. It, it was really cool. And, and so huge props to Ford. The car was insane. Cool suspension, cool wide body, cool accessories. And uh, it just makes me want one so bad. I'm like, I would daily that. That <laughs> would be amazing.
1: So that, that was an actual Ford, uh, you know, kind of project then?
3: I, I don't know. I don't know the story. Yeah. I didn't actually talk to anyone about it. Sounds like uh, a separate company created it for Ford or something. Gotcha. Yeah, not sure.
1: I, did, I did see the, the official uh, Ford van in the background there.
3: Yeah, it was at the official ford booth
1: okay right yeah. on. yeah so it's got it's got their blessings or whatever then That's, oh yeah, yeah yeah part of their deal right on um so th- just before you got the Seema, are you are we done with sima is there anything else there you wanted to mention
3: uh, just tons of modified Teslas, of course, as you can imagine, either going up or down in terms of suspension and craziness. And I mean, some of these people have put hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 into their model threes, oh, yeah. uh, just making them crazy. So, uh, I mean, it's certainly interesting for me to look at. i I'm always like a performance guy. So I'm like, does that actually go faster around the track? But, uh, you know, I, as long as people are into their cars and having fun, I, I totally support it.
1: Um, so th- this is not an event open to the public. Um, I'm not sure where am I going with this.
3: It is open, like, anyone can just, like, oh, you're, oh, a, really? you, you, I mean, just make something up and buy a ticket. Yeah, okay, they're in it's the not, business to sell tickets.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I would think. And it, it's got all this thing, like, I, I can imagine a lot of people would just love. seeing seeing all that blingy stuff in in person, you know?
3: That was pretty much everyone. I mean, it did not feel like an industry show to me. This was everyone just looking at everything else.
1: Okay. Because I've I've never done SEMA. SEMA is like one of those... It's like this big event where, like, traditional automotive journalists, like, they get the invite, to they get the assignments to go to SEMA, and they're like, no, no. yeah
3: Because journalists don't understand this side of car culture in general.
1: Right. Or they don't, or maybe they just don't appreciate it. Like, you know,
2: I don't everyone that I know that wants to go can go like w- whether they just, you know, like if you wanted to go, you'd say, you know, dude incorporated is my company. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and you could buy a ticket and go. So it's, you know, I, I don't know. It might be one of those things where they say it's an industry thing, but really in reality, all you have to do is fill out an application, buy a ticket and you can get in.
1: Right. So Maki vlog helping us out with some details here. So, Jin created other special mach for Ford. Google TJIN maki. Ford sponsors the projects. Cool, thank you. So before you got to, to um, SEMA this week, Kyle, you were in Europe last week driving a, a BMW iX on the Autobahn, which sounds pretty cool. What was even cooler though, is that you got to spend some quality time with the Tesla Model 3 Highland Refresh, so, of course, we want to hear your thoughts about the driving experience, and I hope we can get some questions from the audience as well. But first, maybe give us a little bit of background, like whose car was it, and where did you drive it, and how did it feel to be a passenger on the uh, Norberg Ring? Oops, spoiler alert.
3: Yeah, well, videos are live, so not much of a spoiler, but uh, yep, Uh <laughs> So I yeah first on the iX topic that was a car we rented from Sixth, which is like gone hardcore into EVs they like are all in so um yeah it was cool they they make a lot of I think I mentioned it in the last podcast but they're buying their cars based off of our reviews which I thought was really cool um so I was like okay well let's let's you know uh, everything should be a Taycan Turbo S uh <laughs> um, anyway really fun so the iX was awesome I think I did 3 Thousand kilometers in that car over a week um and and like for three days it was just parked while i was at an event so just huge miles lots of distance just sitting at top speed a lot of the time and so much fun really enjoyed it
2: isn't it a great vehicle for long distance driving i mean to me at least it was in my times that i've driven in i just so comfortable so quiet such such a pleasant uh, vehicle to drive in so i mean yeah the ix is
3: Yeah, if you're going to choose a, a, an SUV to do big distances, that's pretty good. The only downside is the charging speed is kind of just, it's got a big battery and it peaks at like 195 kilowatts and it's like, okay, come on, let's charge a little faster here. Uh, but most of the time I was filming at charging stations. I was stopping at all the cool ones. So I, it didn't, didn't hold me up much at all. Uh, the thermal capacity of the car was really the weakest link in Germany. It just kept overheating all the time. And so that was my main, main issue was just battling the thermals. of the IX, it never happened to me in the U S because when you just cruise normally on the highways, it's no problem. But if you whack it at 150, 155 miles an hour, yeah, things get hot pretty quick in that one more than other EVs. So I went to, um, where I left you last was in that car doing a podcast from the seating greet in Hilden. And I drove to Amsterdam that evening and saw a, Tesla Model 3 Highland. And uh, what's cool is this is actually a development vehicle for our friends at Enhance Auto. It's, I think, a collaboration between Enhance Auto and AA Wireless, which are like the wireless Android Auto guys. They make this stuff. And so I'm not 100% hundred percent percent sure how that relationship works but um, both of them are involved and they said just link us when you post about it so that's what I'm doing and so uh, the enhanced auto guys are super cool they make the sexy buttons to do a whole bunch of stuff in the car you can use scan my Tesla with their stuff and uh, you know really you know, turn down regen or turn off traction control or enable manual battery preconditioning or cooling lots of uh, you know additional control over the vehicle with their uh, their hardware and software packages.
1: So these are these are just like stick-on buttons that you can put anywhere in your car that kind of react. The car kind of can can get instructions from basically and and do you know give you new functionality around your cabin, right?
3: Absolutely, yeah. And they also have an app. So if you don't want buttons, I mean, I hide. I actually have them in my Model Three. I have them to turn on track mode. So rather than going nice. through the menu and settings to get into track mode, I can just boop track mode on into drive and go. Nice. And so, yeah, really cool. And they're also developing the stock retrofit kit for Model S and the Highland cars. So you'll have turn signals and the gear selector and all that stuff. Right. So really looking forward to that. the um the car is you uh, know, I guess a summary because I've already done enough videos on it. If you really are curious about the car, there's three large YouTube videos on the car right now. There is a full build quality analysis on out of spec detailing, which has just skyrocketed in views for our small detailing channels. So thanks to everyone who watched that. There is the main driving review on out-of-spec reviews, which was the best performing out-of-spec video ever in history at launch. So we're so excited about that. Thanks to everyone who watched it. I think it did a hundred thousand views in seven hours, um, which is big for us. So we're really pleased with that one. And then there's uh, the Nurburgring lap that we did with Misha on Misha's channel. So if you type in Tesla Model 3 Misha, uh, you'll see, um, you know, us ripping around the Nurburgring in that video. So there, we really covered the car from daily usable to highway to performance driving to fit and finish. Um, the only thing that we left on the table was efficiency testing. And I, I tried, I have an efficiency testing video that I'll probably upload uh, this weekend, but it was raining and it was, there was, there were no dry roads when I had this car.
1: Right. Yeah. If, it's really uh, the rain really t- takes a chunk out of your efficiency when you're driving. I noticed that on my on my road trip, like especially if it's like the, really you can see the difference because you're looking at the water hours per mile as you're driving rain and all of a sudden that shoots up. Like, Oh, of know.
3: course. Yeah. You're just adding so much resistance. It's yeah. nothing new for EVs. We've known this, but it's just, yeah, it's not great for, for efficiency testing because what I was going to do was I was going to rent from Sixth a Model 3 rear wheel drive. Uh, and run them side by side, Ooh, both you really know nice. same spec to same spec. But mm-hmm. um we we could have done that in the rain. It was just really tight timing. We had to get to Germany. We had to get the other videos filmed. and And honestly, I did also some point of view driving stuff that will go up on some of our other channels, like I, I didn't sleep when I had this car. I was just filming the whole time and then jumped on a plane. So I think I did as much as uh, as much as I could do.
1: So learning fast has a question here. Do you think the 125 mile an hour speed limit on Highland is from the suspension or the tires? None of the tires that Tesla uses are rated under 149 miles an hour. So why is the limit 125 miles an hour?
3: Yeah, actually, I have the similar thought. If you guys watch the video, you'll notice I mentioned the car just is tuned wonderfully for daily driving. I did a whole podcast just on the suspension on the out of spec podcast channel and really shared my deep thoughts on the frequency response damper and how it's all aligned and how it feels and and that I think it's the better compromise to take because any uh, you know engineering decision in a car is a compromise uh, and so yeah I think this this really was perfect for the way that it was or for the intended use of the vehicle you give up performance handling with the new suspension and you know on the nurburgring with misha we had no grip really low speed so it really didn't get a chance to get a lot of g on the car a lot of force through the vehicle i think it would have i think it was good that it was raining because the car would have probably performed worse if it was dry wouldn't really feel that slop in the suspension and just cruising down the highway in the car on the autobahn just felt a little bit unstable at top speed in the corner straight away just fine um, but that's the thing. Who's really doing that? No one. And so I think they limited the top speed for safety, efficiency, suspension. I can't imagine it's tire. <laughs> I mean, I, that to me seems like the last on the list. Uh, right. Tesla said they limited it because of the tires. So right. it could just be that, but I agree. I believe the tires are rated for uh, you know 150 miles an hour. Or so. Um,
1: so yeah, going not sure from- going from the traditional or the you know the the tesla model three that we've had for the last five or so years um what's what's the differences right away but the seats more comfortable is one thing i guess even more like yeah
3: well there's been there's been many generations of existing model three seats even though they all appear to look the same they've all been slightly different the ones that i have in my model three now are perfection to me that is the perfect seat if i get into a newer model three doesn't fit me so well just mm-hmm. little things that they change and so um yeah i really enjoyed the new seats in the car no issues there i love that they're they're ventilated that is a, such a nice thing and it seems like the air pickup for the ventilation is right near an air conditioning output uh, vent so it's actually freezing cold air that comes up which is really really nice so love that and um yeah just just like the whole car is grown up uh, it's so much quieter than it, you know it, it's not quieter than an iX or an i7. Okay, right, right. it's so much quieter than the old Model 3, where it's now totally acceptable. It rides so much better. The interior feels all these little changes of the materials, the sound system, all these little things just really add up to a much more nicely, uh, you know, tuned package, if you will. And it's the Model 3 grown up. That's how I summed it up. Summed it up in the video and you know, certainly for a lot of people, they're going to want a hatchback. They're going to want an SUV, blah, 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 blah. But when you factor in all, everything a car has to do for the price. And I would say the ease of daily usability of this car, it is the best car. I I said it when I reviewed it the first time, driving it only reaffirmed that sentiment, which is, it's not the best car for everyone. But as an average, when I look at all the cars that I test, there's no major downsides here. That car, it now rides great for the cruising it's amazing in the city great drivetrain control great charging network here in the u.s already functional with it's the car
2: kyle so, let, uh, me, let me ask you a question I'm, I'm concerned that it because it doesn't have the stocks it's going to turn off some like first time ev buyers that are you know it's in a much lower uh, price point than say model s and model x you know, and it's kind of like Tesla's every man's car, at least right now. You know, I know it's still maybe priced higher than what a lot of people can afford, but it's like their mass-produced EV. That and the why, I'm concerned that first-time buyers that are looking at EVs that say, "Well, Tesla's been doing this longer than anybody. They got this network. This is the car for me to buy," are going to look at that and be like, "That's too much for me. I'm already have to adjust to the fact that you know this. I have to figure out this charging thing." Um, but now I don't get my stocks that I'm used to. I'm afraid I'm gonna have an accident. What do you think about that? Now and and try to have a point of view of, of not Kyle Connor, who knows everything about cars and adapts quickly. Like the 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 first time buyer that you know is concerned. Do you think that's gonna be a pain point for people?
3: Oh well, my car now, my Model S doesn't have stocks. And that's right. the thing I hate about the car the most. It sucks. No, I agree, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. At what degree people will value that? I'm not. That's up to them. Certainly, it's not going to help people buy the car. No one's going to say, oh,
2: there's no stocks. That's I got a thing. I think people are going to walk away from it and say, no, I I can't. You know, so I need fine. a stock, you know, Then, then just, go
3: get a car with stocks like, yeah, yeah. great. They, they make those. But they'll also like the guys that we borrowed the car from are making a retrofit. Now, should you have to retrofit your car so you can live with it? At least many people will do it. I will do it. Because, you know, it's a pain. To me, the turn signals aren't as big of a deal as the gear selector, actually. Um, Yeah, I just hate reaching over to the screen. Now, yes, it will automatically go into gear, but you always have to look at it to make sure you went to the right one. Mm -hmm. So it's something you got to think about. And it only does it when your seatbelt's on. And and I know I shouldn't – I wear my seatbelt always, but sometimes I get in my car and I like to just hit drive, get rolling, and as I'm pulling out of the driveway, I'm putting the seatbelt on. This one, it's like sit in the car, buckle up, then turn the car on. And then then you have to lift your foot off the brake again and touch it again for it to go into gear. That's so it's like multiple pain. steps to do the, the, the gear you know selection for direction. For example, in my Rivian, as I'm getting in, I can hit the brake pedal. The truck is on. I'm in drive before my butt even hits the seat. And I'm moving as I'm shutting the door. And then the seatbelt comes on. And that's a luxurious feature. Uh, so you can't do that with the new
1: car. Mm, interesting. So, you also said it, it handles a little differently, like the, just a certain, besides the suspension, but just like the turn in and everything. It's, how, how'd you find that?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was really wet, so it was hard to, to really, you know, do that. But yeah, definitely. I mean, the suspension's different. The right. steering feels slightly different. And that could just be a byproduct of the suspension being different. But uh, normally, an old Model 3, it's two turns lock to lock. This is like two and an eighth. So there's definitely something going on with the steering situation. It seems a little bit less twitchy on center tip-in. It could also just be the design of the new wheel. I mean, when you start adding all of these new changes, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is sometimes. Either way, the car just feels way more grown up. In my impression, if you don't need a hatchback or the cargo space of the Model S, don't buy a Model S. Buy a Model 3. Like, it's that good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why people would buy a Model S when you get a Model Three. It's just you know, it's just tighter and easier to drive, easier to park. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. The yeah. Model
3: S, like uh, from my experience with mine, I love the drivetrain. I love the Plaid stuff right. because it's insane. Um, and uh, but but like everything else about the car, I'm like, I kind of wish I could just put this drivetrain in my Model Three.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a big, big car, which, which is big great car, for some things, but
3: lots of rattles, lots of creaks. Doesn't really feel like it's loose. built that well. There's Model that. three felt great. Model three right. is totally dialed.
1: So, no, no, no word about how the, the Model Three is built, right? Like, Giga casting wise, is like, is that like uh, three sections, like the like the uh, Austin Giga factory Model Three?
3: Yeah, we're we're not a hundred. Well, Model Austin y, so. builds, uh, yeah, Model Y. Hard to see with all the plastics on the car and everything. From my perspective, I was trying to get up underneath there. Uh, let's wait for Monroe to get one, and we'll let them do the uh, the teardowns and everything.
1: Right. I was looking at um, the the media site from from Tesla, and they have like new new photos of the Model Three Highland up there, and they have like a one photo of just like the, the skeleton of it. And I was trying to see; it looked to me like it's it looked to me like it's uh, uh, a a casting. Like, there's a lot of cast stuff going on there. There's like not a whole lot of little tiny patched pieces, welds that you knew you'd have to do traditionally. But uh, yeah that's that and i have it i'm looking at it now on my screen it's (laughs) not
3: going to affect the end user experience of the car that's the thing like when you drive a car you're not thinking oh how is this put together you're like i paid money for a car it drives and it drives like this
1: right well it might have fewer squeaks and and all all that kind of stuff right Is what i don't think
3: so most of the squeaks and rattles and teslas come from trim pieces on the interior in my experience yeah upper control arms but all those ancillary components are all yeah, I I don't think you're going to have an NVH benefit uh, from a, a squeak and rattle perspective. Perhaps there's you know like uh, harmonic benefits for doing something like this, or actually non benefits because you don't have isolation in between certain metals. It might actually be louder when you do a, mm. a single casting. Would be sure. my guess. But uh, yeah, now we're getting into nerd stuff that I don't understand. I don't know that that world at all. Sadly.
1: All right. Um, see any other questions? Martin, you have any Model 3 refresh questions?
0: I'm interested to see how many people change their Model 3 for the new Model 3. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how many people's first, first Tesla is that Model 3. Because I see people in the comments saying that the stalks isn't a big deal. Here in the UK, we have roundabouts everywhere. And so if I'm coming up to, and it's just different, just different road layouts, but we have a lot of roundabouts. And if I'm coming up to one and I want to take the the fourth, I'm turning right, so I'm taking the fourth exit, I'm going to signal right to let the people around me know I'm going around the roundabout. And that person uh, or all the cars around me know my movements. And then when I've passed the first, second exit, and I'm taking the third exit to go right, um, I'm then going to change the indicator to say I'm now exiting this roundabout and I'm going off. Okay. So you've got two options. So your wheel is a, a funny angle, and you're not looking at the road to signal to fellow road users. I'm now leaving the roundabout, as you have to do, or you feel your way around, and muscle. I'm saying muscle memory might fix that. It might be fine. Uh, I've not driven a no-stalk Tesla, uh, or you just don't bother. In which case. Uh, you suck as a driver uh, because uh, that doesn't make roundabouts efficient. So when you can see someone's coming around, but they're mo- they're indicating to leave at that one and you can tell the movement of the car, you generally go. And, th- and the flow of traffic is very good. Uh, I wouldn't spend my own money on that. That's no disrespect to anyone who buys the Highland in the UK and loves it and gets on really well with it. Um, and there are left-hand drive Model S's here as well that have been Im- imported. You can't buy one, through Tesla UK. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see how many people here, it, a specific market, you know, right-hand drive, lots of roundabouts, uh, do it and do it through gritted teeth. Do it and say, hey, it's no problem. Uh, or just don't buy. I wouldn't buy the car without the indicator stalk because it's, it's a faff. And as Kyle says, micro annoyances, uh, I think, add up to quite a lot and it is like first world problems isn't it but i tr- you know if you can remove as many of those micro annoyances in life you know it's just like you know i don't know when you turn you t- when you turn your tv on and then you get the logo of the tv and then it starts booting up and you're like come on just t-. you know what i mean it's like 4 seconds of your life doesn't matter right. but it's if if it was a micro annoyance every time i drove the car like oh and a micro annoyance with uh, the MG that we still own is that some of the time I'll put my foot on the brake pedal, put it into reverse and it won't release the auto handbrake. And I'm like so you just reach down and you just push the button and it, auto, it lets off the auto handbrake and it's fine, no one died, it was a second of my life. But the fact that it's inconsistent annoys the crap out of me. Uh I mean, you know, make of that what you will, but I couldn't I couldn't do I wouldn't spend my own money on a stalkless Model 3. So, yeah, watching it really closely, uh, looking at used prices of Model 3s, I believe over the last one or two weeks, I've seen some price reductions. um, And that's not, I've not been following specific cars that haven't sold that have had price reductions. I believe around, you know, one or two thousand pounds coming off those newer car i think if you know if you're selling a three-year-old tesla you're probably fine in the uk i think if you have one that's maybe a year or 18 months old and you're changing it for a highland i think you've probably lost a bit more money in the last couple of weeks on on your used prices on that uh big ships arriving before christmas here in the uk i don't think anyone's actually got delivery of theirs correct me in the comments if i'm wrong
1: All Right. I see the highland someone's asking when, when is the highland coming to the u.s i i almost think it's not going to come here until they can build it here at fremont i kind of think that's what's what's going on because it's it's everywhere else you know because there's a a big tariff from goods for, on goods from china in the u.s so i and i see the highland three on websites all around the, australia has it you know uh the asian sites have it um of course europe has it the uk has it U.S. nothing, Canada, Canada I think nothing uh, so my point so I'm not sure when it's going to come except it's it might be deep deep into 2024 I don't know and then then someone's also asking about performance we don't know anything about the performance version of it yet but we're hoping it has a firmer suspension or at least I'm hoping it has firmer suspension uh, that's basically all it needs right and and of course the extra power that performance usually has right Kyle?
3: I mean, it's going to need a lot of stuff. Seats, I think, would be an interesting okay. upgrade. Uh, you know, brake package. Traditionally, they always upgrade the brakes on the Performance 3 and Y, or at least maybe the 3, the Y, I don't know. But yeah, the, the both of them, at least uh, in theory, yes. Uh, yeah, there's just a, a lot of adaptations needed. And I think they need to go more hardcore than the current Model 3 performance. I see a lot of people buying Model 3 performances as daily drivers, which is fine, but the right. dual motor's fine at that anyway so make the performance like a real m3 competitor you know something hardcore make it feel special make it a little bit wild and um yeah i hope that's what they
0: do quick question for you guys do you think the delaying of highland because the car is ready like, it, you know, it's ready to go. Then not have to make it in Shanghai. It'll be rolling out of Fremont whenever they can. Do you think it's anything to do with the January 1st change of the federal tax credit being uh, you can change it from yourself to your dealer uh, and Tesla will be registered as a dealer, obviously, with the IRS? Do you think it's anything to do with that hard date? Do you think they're not trying to uh, kind of kill the last chance of selling this last few or is it removed from that?
3: i I don't think tesla is making a decision based off of that for their entire factor i i I don't get the impression they do that would not be my guess right
1: all right let's move on i guess let's move on so while kyle was in germany driving cool stuff jordan from also from out of spec was uh, on a honda motor compacto program and he made a great video about that and you can find it on the out of spec reviews channel uh, so just go check that out when you get a chance. We have it here on the screen right now. If you're watching this uh, on video on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, or or uh, Twitter X, I don't know. Kyle, have you had a chance to look at, look at this video?
2: Oh, of course. Okay.
1: So I thought he did a great job because he shows the old motor compacto. It even goes, you know, tries goes and visits somebody with an old motor compacto, lifts it up. I don't know if you actually wrote it for real for real but no it didn't function the old one right but you got you know folded down and it was interesting that some of the things the way it folded that were you know replicated sort of on on this new one it's got the little motor compacto on the keychain oh actually I have this from the uh, from the Tokyo Mo- motor Show in 2019 It can't really mm-hmm. see I've never really opened it but inside. There's like a little tiny plastic moto. Aha, uh-huh, cool. That's awesome. think from a, like a vending machine in the yeah. convention center. It was awesome. I'm just holding on to that for whatever stupid reason. But yeah. So $1,000, dollars 9 dollars If you take the part number and do a web search on it, you can find some places or sell. I found it in a couple places at a discount, like almost $100 off so it can apparently could be purchased through there you you know as well they were like uh, honda parts dealers or something it was kind of it's kind of odd uh but it could possibly save you 100 bucks i don't know but yeah uh so yeah that's about it for that tom should anyone buy the electron v-box 48
2: amp ev charger so before we jump into that really quick, we did have a comment about Electron. Okay. And uh, Electrified Light Vehicles asked, what's time to view on Electron's Vortex adapter? That's their new uh, CCS Tesla uh, NAX adapter that Electron is actually selling now. So um, they Electron actually reached out to me and asked me if I would like one uh, to review and, and kind of do what I did with the A to Z adapter. They offered one of their executives for me to interview them. So I, I agreed to do it. And it just so happened that I was doing the uh, V-Box uh, review at that time. They sent me this V-Box months ago, but I have so many EVSC here in the garage, it takes me a while to get to them. And uh, so uh, I can't comment yet on that, on the Vortex adapter. Um, but what I will say is I wouldn't rush out to buy it. You can't use it yet. So let's wait until all of the adapters are out on the market before you buy one. Don't don't rush out and buy any adapter yet because we we all know Tesla's making their own adapter so you may want the official Tesla one um, and and there's going to be a bunch of companies including A to Z including Electron and there's other companies making them also so my advice is do not buy one yet wait until we're getting close to them, you being able to use them. And then you'll know what they're all on the market. And then there'll be people like me and other people, Kyle, and and other people that have gotten them that use them that said, I like this one because of this. And you'll see different specs. And I kind of really don't like the fact that Electron's selling it now when nobody can use it. Uh, I, I wouldn't have taken that strategy. I would have done something more along the lines of what A to Z did and said, look, coming soon. We're not going to sell this until you can actually use it or, or very shortly before you can use it. And we're going to try to work with all the manufacturers to try to get them to officially endorse this, this uh, adapter. I don't know if Electron's doing that. I'm going to talk to them uh, about that. So from that, we'll jump into the review. Yeah.
0: I got on screen, right? It's this one.
2: Yeah. If you're watching this on online, uh, you know, I um, there, there's I have some concerns about it so far, but I'm not going to comment on that until I really get a look at it and get a hold of it. And I yeah. will say one thing that I have noticed about Electron, and I do like Electron's products. Some of their products are good, but they also, one thing I've noticed about Electron, they do rush to try to be first to market with a lot of things. And they sent me their first level two uh, wall-mounted charger that they made last year. And when I got it, when I started the review, I contacted them and said, I just want to let you know, if I continue with this review, it's going to be really bad. Um, do you want me to continue with this review or not? Because I don't want to waste my time on it. And, and and it's I'm going to tell people, run as fast as you can from this review. I'd rather just put it back in a box and send it back to you. And hmm. they said, yeah, please do that so that's why i never reviewed their first uh the, their first uh, charger and they said well we at the time they said well this is only like a temporary one we're go- we're we're already engineering mm. a better one and we're going to be selling that soon so i said okay when you make that one send it to me and um and 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 you know i i don't even really want to review this because it's it's uh, you know it's it's unsafe and it's it's not made well so they sent me the V-Box and i got it and I just completed the review. You can see it on the wall behind me. That just went up on my uh, channel. And um, not a bad unit. It's got a lot of good features. But there were things that I didn't like about it. I, I think the overall construction is is a, is, a, is a step down from most of the uh, chargers that we have as far as strength-wise. I will say during my um, extreme heat test, the plastic cover on the front is warped now. Now, yeah, I heat these things up a lot and it, the, the 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 front of the cover got to over 170 degrees. And you say, well, that's never going to happen in real life. Well, it will. If you live in, say, Arizona or one of the areas and this is mounted outside and, and it's in direct sunlight and it's 110 degrees out and the thing is delivering 40 amps for three or four hours straight, you could bet your ass that box is going to mm. get up over 150 degrees. And um, uh, so- you know, that happens. And you can almost see, uh, you see how it's warped, like the lights from this point, the whole front plastic cover started to started to warp as I was um, as it was getting really hot. So but but I like there's a lot of things I like about it. You, see, you could see from this view here on the side, there's a um, uh, an on off button. I kind of like when the units have those Um it's got a really nice display screen. It's not a smart charger. And here's another thing that I don't like it comes, it's a 48 amp charger that comes out of the box set to deliver 48 amps. But it also comes with a NEMA 1450 plug attached, and you can't deliver 48 amps through that plug. So, if you're, in my opinion, if it comes with the NEMA 1450 pigtail on it, it should be set from the factory to deliver 40 amps, not not 48. And if you want to hardwire, remove the plug, then you go in and change it to 48. So people that don't understand this are going to buy the thing, hang it up on the wall and plug it in. And it's Mm -hmm. going to be ready to deliver 48 amps. And if your car requests it, it's going to pull it. So so, so that's an issue. Um, You know, it just... There's some misses here in my, my point of view. Uh, the cable did surprisingly well in my cable deep free test. And, and out of the box, I thought it was going to be bad because it felt like a stiff, plasticky cable. Usually the rubberized cables that feel rubberized do well. But um, yeah, that's if you're watching on, on YouTube, you can see this is the cold weather uh, cable test. And for a big, thick cable, see how I'm bending it pretty easily? I usually can't do that with some of the thick cables that um, that feel like they have like a plastic jacket. Uh, so it did well in that. There, there's a lot of things it did well with, uh, but I just I think the overall construction could be a little better, and they could have a better connector. Um, talking of which, well, I'm going to grab the connector to let you know what I'm talking about. So this is one of the things I, I nerd out on. The, the locking mechanism on connectors is is a weak point on connectors. So what I like to see is this to be very strongly made um, and and even protected. As you can see here, the end really hangs out more than some of the other connector locks. So this is not protected here. That's number one. Number two, this is how you uh, unlock the c- connector from the from the vehicle. Th- this whole tab here should be made very strongly that's what breaks when you drop it or just from use. Look at this. I don't know if you could see that I can bend both ends at the same or let me push this down and now watch look. I shouldn't be able to do that. This piece here should be made very strongly, preferably out of metal and and be made strongly. The fact that it's kind of flimsy like this, you could see I could hold one end down and press I shouldn't be able to do that. So I don't like that. Um and these are these are the real nerdy things that ninety nine percent of the people wouldn't pick up on, and they'd buy it. And um, like you know, and I, and I know I've mentioned this before. I shouldn't worry about other people's reviews, but a lot of influencers get these. Like uh, companies will give them to anybody. You know, Kyle could have as many chargers as I have here if he wanted to. Um, and and they review it, and they're like, "Oh, this is fantastic! Look at this thing! Look at the connectors! Feels like it's well made." Blah blah, and I'm like. I just want to comment on their things. Like, you really just did this just to get a free charger. And, and, you know, people buy them off of that. Um, I, I yeah, digress. I shouldn't that, worry about but that. I
3: should talk about that for a second. Just with cars as well, there's yeah. always a difference between a paid advertisement and an actual review. And it's yeah. up. You really should only watch people who make that very clear. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and they don't yeah. make
2: it clear, Kyle. Yeah. You know, like they get them. They do say, you know, I did get this for review, but like. Well, it can't be a paid review. Yeah.
3: That doesn't yeah. exist.
2: Yeah. in my mind
3: uh, there's no such yeah. thing as a paid those those can't go next to each other it's a paid right. advertisement or a uninfluenced review we advertise level two units you review them in all of our advertisements it's go watch tom's
2: video go yeah. ask tom about I appreciate this appreciate that yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but you know so these are the little things and it's why my reviews are almost like they're like 45 minutes long and uh, you know uh, the th- to some people, they're like, you got to do this in shorter time because, you know, I just want to know what's the best one to buy. You can't. If you really want to review it, you got to get down into the nuts and bolts. So, like, I mean, those those are some of the my problems. I think Electron could make this a very good unit. If they made the plastic a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger, if they put a new connector on it, those two things alone would be probably wouldn't cost them that much more. And it would be a pretty good unit. It, you know, it's great, 86 on the charger rate, which we have um, listed up there. It could easily be in the 90s if if they just made some some small tweaks. Another problem that I have with it is they only offer a one-year warranty, a standard. And I never recommend units that are only a one-year warranty. However, they will sell you an extended warranty, either a two-year, three-year, or a one-year, two-year, or three-year extension. But here's the the kicker. It's not through Electron. Electron partnered with another company that offers extended warranties. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how that how well that'll work. If I'm buying an extended warranty, I want to buy it through the company that's selling me the unit because I can call them and say, "Hey, I have your charger. The thing's broken. Fix this or give me a new one." When you're dealing with this third party, you know, you know, and you say, "Oh, the connector the connector's broken." The answer might be, "Well, did you abuse it?" What'd you do with it? Did you drive over it? Because it's not it's not covered if you drive. No, I didn't drive over it. It just broke. Well, you know, that could be an abuse, you know? So, but when you're dealing with the company, you can maybe give them the business and they're a little bit more um, worried that you'll go on social media and blast them and say, don't buy this. So, um, you know, th- those are some of the things. Offer a three-year warranty, put a better connector on it, make the outer casing a little bit stronger. Um, like, and I show them my video, the Clipper Creek people, we're so proud of their casing. They beat it with a baseball bat for a while on on video to show you how strong the Clipper Creek unit was. I'd break this with the first swing. So you know, not that you should be hitting your charges with baseball bats, but no. it's it just proves a point that you know this different robustness. Yeah, and then we have the uh, key features up there. The price is pretty good, four sixty nine. I know the list price is four ninety nine, but Electron sells it for four sixty nine. And I asked them, well, how long is this sale going on? because I need to m- mention that in my comment, They're like, well, oh, we don't have any intention of ending it. So it's one of those things where, and, and a lot of companies do this, I'm not knocking Electron, where they list the price and then it's always on sale. You know, right. NLX does this all the time with their with the juice box. They constantly run sales. So you think that you're, oh, I better buy it now because it's on sale. But meanwhile, it's always that price. Uh, and uh, it's a decent unit, 20 foot cable. I like long, 20 foot's the minimum that I approve. Of, um I would prefer if this is 23 or or 23 to 25 feet um I even had some issues like uh when I when I back my my lightning into the garage it wouldn't reach the end of the uh, and that's in a, a standard garage I know the lightning's a big vehicle I could have d- driven it straight in and then yes it will reach but I don't want to have to dis- I don't want to have to pull my vehicle into the garage a specific way just so the cable reaches it should reach every corner in my garage in my opinion. So uh, these are the things I nerd out on, and uh, you know that's why I do what I do. Uh, it's not a terrible unit. I wouldn't say don't buy it, um, but I wish Electron would do a little bit of a better job. Another thing that now this picture up here reminds me of—I probably can't see it—but um, the 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 uh, plug isn't a, a one-piece molded plug, and I'm going to try to let you see. Yeah, I think you know what you're telling us. Okay. You see the screws oh. in the plug? Oh. Okay. So, I mean this is all fine for safety certified plugs. You're allowed to do it. But when you get that, this is what you get. Let me see. Can you see that? I think
1: so a little so, bit of
2: Yeah. So, when you have a when you have a, uh, you have a uh, plug that's put together with screws? The the where the cable goes into the plug itself, isn't is never sealed as well as when it's a one piece molded plug. This might be a little thing, right? you know, it might not ever uh, have an issue. But if you mount your uh, NEMA 1450 with the ground down, because th- this cable is very long, so mm-hmm. so so you could mount it with with your 1450 ground up. Or ground down. You might have an existing NEMA 1450 that's installed ground down in your garage. So now your plug's plugged in here. So now anytime, any type of cap- moisture or anything, you could spill your coffee when you're plugging in and plugging in. It's gonna run down this cable and 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 end up here. And it's gonna work its way in there. And like I said, maybe it's a small thing, but over time it you get moisture in there maybe even condensation. You know, if, if the garage is cold and it's hot outside, condensation could form on the cable. Um, it, you could have a problem with it. So, you know, those little things that most people won't pick up on, um, I was able to nitpick a lot of things about this. So going back to the original question about Tom, what do you think about the Vortex, Tesla, the Nax to CCS adapter? I haven't looked at it yet. My inclination is that it's the first product that, Electron has put out of that type of an adapter, so I would I wouldn't rush out to buy it yet. It might prove to be a really good adapter, but um, I've seen Electron, and as I said, I want to be clear about this. Some of Electron's products are really good, but I've seen them come out with their first generation of, of certain things. It seems like they rush to market to get something out there, and and maybe it it hasn't been engineered properly yet. But um, I'm not down on Electron. I like what they're doing. They want to be like one stop shopping. For charging equipment, adapters, circuit splitters, cable extensions, and some of their things are good. Uh, It's just Mm. I I wish they wouldn't. I wish they would um, not try to rush to some of their uh, their products to market and and maybe get some outside, um, like like a like a Monroe, like like (laughs) somebody to look at their product and say. Or even me for their charging equipment, and say, "Look, these are the things you need to improve before you bring this to market, and then bring it to market, and then it will be rock solid."
0: I, I think this uh, this adapter you were talking about is probably in a in in a nutshell. Highlights the sort of mess that you guys are going to be in for a period of time. I don't know how long that period is going to be, but as you know, over here, everything's CCS2. Tesla sell their cars with that on. Uh, The EU have have said, right, we're we're behind it. Um, And yeah, there's some Chadamo still floating around, but everything's the same, right? So, uh, but again, there is so much. This is the job that Tom does and educates people as consumer advice like this is it's great that they've got this on on pre-sale but i would want like in big red letters you cannot use this product like if you buy this today or if it arrives on the 1st of january it's a really expensive trinket and it may work one day when tesla decide to open up their network it will work one day when tesla make a call but again like i would put like just if I were running that company for fear of getting sued, I'd put like a big disclaimer. You cannot use this yet. You can buy it and pre-sale it. Um, and again, in a nutshell, it's the education. It's it's the, it's the CCS1 to NACs. It's what you guys are going to go through for the next few years. And it's going to get messier, I think, before it gets any better as more people drive EVs.
3: Well, Martin, uh, just at SEMA, I saw three other NACs to CCS adapters. Bye. So they're they're just flooding the market now. It's not just Electron or A to Z. It's, it's now all of them. And I yeah. even used another type of adapter yesterday. I'll make a video about it at some point. And it was just red hot after a 10-minute charging session. I'm like, this is crazy. So adapter safety needs to be drilled into everyone. Just honestly, don't – I mean, if you can avoid using an adapter, that's the best. If yeah. you have to use an adapter, just use the one you buy from Ford or from GM or from whoever. Like, why buy any of these third-party ones? Then, if it makes sense, just buy the official one.
2: We'll be doing. Speakers? We'll be talking a lot about Nax adapters over yeah. the course of the next six months. Yeah. When, when, you know, between now and then. So, if you're really ever questioning that, just come here, and and the four of us are going to be talking a lot about adapters. And one other thing, I wanted to to jump on really quickly before we move off, Simon. Ask this: What sort of loony puts their um, plug sockets down? You you can't imagine how many people Simon have their NEMA fourteen fifty w- with the um, the ground down. And let me tell you something: Some people have to because some of the charging equipment comes with the plug for coming from the bottom of the unit with it with it ground down with a short stub where you couldn't even bend it over. So I have, if you see behind me, I have two. Nema 1450s on the wall here. I had to put mount one ground up and one ground down just so I can review all the equipment because coming out of the factory, some are ground up, some are ground down. So um, you know, it's not that crazy of a of a of a question because a lot of even electricians, uh, when somebody uh, they're getting a Tesla, right? Because they're going to use the Tesla mobile uh, connector. They they tell their electrician put in a Nema 1450 and then they put it in the wrong way. They'll put it ground down. And, uh, you know, the Tesla needs it ground up and they'll send me a picture of, they'll be like, Tom, did they make the right adapter? I got the wrong adapter with this because they're thinking they need to change the adapter, not the outlet. And I'm like, just call your electrician back and tell them this to just flip it over. It's going to take them five minutes and tell them he should have asked you first which way you wanted it. But they don't. They don't. If you ask don't. an electrician to install NEMA 1450, many of them, particularly the ones that aren't specializing in electric vehicle charging equipment. They'll just come in and put it anyway. If you, if you don't, if you don't do but the, the companies that do a lot of chargers will either put it ground up or ask you what, which way do you need? Which way do you want this? Which orientation do you want this? I think,
1: I think mine was installed upside down. It was a little bit, I don't like it just because it's, it's common just because it looks weird. You know, it's just like, why would you do that? But Whatever thats well, they might have down.
2: had a reason to d- d- the equipment right, that right. they were using might have required it to be ground down because it goes both ways right It shouldn't the ground should be up, but yeah. there's no code on that, I don't think, but I know out in field in practicality that there's it's fifty fifty some are up, some are down right
1: all right, so uh, let's move on I guess so this week, Volkswagen re- revealed the id7 tour. That's the station wagon version of the ID7, or as posh folks like Martin says, uh, an estate. So, when I when I say they revealed it, I mean, that's pretty much all they did. Uh, Volkswagen released exactly two photographs and a short press release with basically its coefficient of drag, 0.24, which is 100th more than the uh, lift version, and that its boot can hold 545 liters or, or 19.24 cubic feet from the floor to the top of the headrest of the rear seat, which is how they do the cargo space uh, uh, measurement in the in Europe, which I just learned last week. I didn't realize we can't uh, compare storage spaces in cars from Europe to, to the U.S. I think we do it to the ceiling in the U.S. I was seeing some the same vehicle. I just double-checked that last night. I was seeing like, the same vehicle in Europe and U.S. have different cargo numbers. But anyway, if you fold the... Uh, rear seat down of, of the uh, station wagon here, the, the Tor tour. it's uh, 7, 1714 liters or 60.5 cubic feet of cargo space, which is even better than the ID4 Volkswagen ID4 especially with the seat down it really opens up a lot more room for you in there than the ID4. Oh and I learned that uh, we learned that it will launch in Europe in 2024 and be built in Emden, Germany. And that's about it. You know, uh, we don't really know much about it. So, Tom, you were in at an ID7 sedan program this week and actually saw this thing with your own eyes. Could you learn anything about it? Or were, th- were they all like, we cannot talk about future product"?
2: So, well, that's even if German I did accent. learn something about it, I couldn't talk about it because we're under embargo. Um, Uh, but I, I mean, I think it looks awesome. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, what I would prefer if I were to get an ID seven, I would love this version, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, companies don't send station wagons to the U S you know, we just don't get them. So, you know, I doubt that this will ever make it to U S shores. Uh, but, um, you know, I think it looked awesome and did get a chance to look at it. We couldn't look inside as you, you can even see from that picture, the windows like blacked out. So I'm not even sure if the inside has any, anything, or if it's like a shell, you know, because it's just, you know, to get it out there. But, um, I think it looked really cool. Uh, I I would, I wish we'd, we would get, uh, station wagons, but the U S market, says they want suvs like well if i'm gonna get a big if i want something with a lot of room i want it to be you know uh, eight or nine inches taller than this and fit even more stuff in the back which they probably never even need more cargo space than what this can provide but um that's that's just the way it is unfortunately
1: kyle i guess you you have to go out with people waiting for you in the car waiting for you to get hit the road anything right. on the i any any one last word on the ID. Seven tour before you hit up hit the door.
3: Uh, more wagons equals more better. Very pleased to see them doing this.
1: <laughs> right on. I agree. I, I mean, I really kind of wish we had the. I don't. Do you know Volkswagen's product planner now? You used to, but it changed. Oh, change. no,
3: great. they have many of them, but yes, I know a few.
1: Okay, well, we need to start some sort of wagon campaign. Ah, like uh, they're
3: the, already doing it internally. They, they're just boring. They won't do it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: it's a it's a bummer. Well, I mean, they're, they're, so they're trying that, to bring right?
3: the. I, I think we just got to keep them on the track of bring that ID two GTI to the US. Okay, let's get this true. one. We can only get a couple fun Volksw- Volkswagen's a decade out of them, so let's just choose the right ones to push for.
1: Right on. Well, I'd like to thank. Uh, nope. Edgar, sorry, sorry. Uh, so, uh, sorry. I just like to thank uh, Edgar Bernier. Uh, for his uh, contribution, there a little gift for us in, in the comments, and I really appreciate that. See you guys. See you, Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, take have care. Your time. Right on. Uh oh. Or Kyleless, but I don't know. Yeah, Tom. Uh, real quick. I don't. We don't. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, it's a. So Kyle already drove the ID7 at some point, and then yeah. had this program. Is this like a first drive program that you are on with?
2: You? Yeah, it, it is first drive program, which is weird because as you said, they've given other people access to it in Europe. Uh, right. and this wasn't like specifically a, uh, us, uh, first drive event. It was for Europe also. So there were, there were Canadian teams there. There were North American, uh, us teams there. There were, uh, European teams there. So, uh, you know, they, they it's kind of like a two-stage thing. Cause I mean, Kyle already spent time in, in it and actually put out a really good video on that. Um, but uh, Jordan from out of spec came and the, So the two of us kind of hung out together. We teamed up, cool. uh, we shot some videos together. So uh, there'll be some ID7 videos on, um, yeah, that's the two of us hanging out uh-huh. uh, on uh, driveway. The, the drive was in uh, South France, a beautiful area. Uh, was it was really, which which is what the manufacturers usually do. They put you in these really nice areas for good scenic pictures and views. Um, so uh, we can't talk about it, the embargoes uh, for another 10 days or so. Uh, but um, I'll have a video. And one of the things that we did, and if you're on YouTube, you can see this video here that I don't think anybody else did, was Jordan and I found, we teamed up in the car. We found a, a DC fast charger and we went off course. Nice. And, and uh, found a DC fast charger and uh, charged it up uh, for a while. And I even recorded a charging session. I can't really, again, talk about any of that stuff, but that'll all be in our video. And I think it's the only place where you're going to get that type of uh, content. So um, I could be surprised. But the funny thing is, so when you need to do these first drive events. You come back to the hotel at the end of the night, you get yeah. the keys in and then typically you have dinner and you talk to the engineers. They have engineers available. So- um, Jordan unpacks his stuff and leaves and I had to do some more video inside the car. So then the Volkswagen handlers come and they take the key for you because they clean it and get it ready. They have to recharge it for the next day. And, um, the one looks at the state of charge and he's like, cause we had a very high state of charge now when we, when we brought it back and we'd been driving like 150 miles, you know, like all day long and everything. And it was like, you know, like 80% or something when we get back. So he looks at it and he's like, did you guys drive today? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you went the whole course. Did you take a shortcut? And I'm like, no, no, we actually went further. And, and he's looking at it and he's like, you guys have the record. He goes, you must be very efficient. I said, oh yeah, we've been driving EVs for a long time. We were a hyper miling. <laughs> we wanted to see how good we could, uh, ha- how good the efficiency of this car would be. And the two of them are looking at each other and shaking their heads because I'm sure everybody brought it back at like under 20% state of charge because we drove, you know, uh, God, I, I think it was almost 200 miles or whatever. Um and uh, and uh, <laughs> we run back at the Oyster. They're just looking at each other, like, "How did this happen?" They're like, "Really? Like you did the whole? You went to, you know, to the mid- midway point, and then to the lunch." And I'm like, "Yeah, we did all that." I go, "We we we wanted to see how efficient it would be, so we we drove really really carefully." Uh, I, as I walked away, I could hear them like talking in German to each other. Like, like, how could this be? You know, you yeah. <laughs> don't even have to charge this practically. You know, That it was, it was funny. But um, well, we, Jordan and I had a good time and we're going to put links to each other's videos. Uh, you know, when we, when we eventually put those up, but I, other than that, I can't really talk about it. Um, but, um, you know, look, look for those reviews in, uh, in, in a short, short
0: period id7 i think is it's, it's so funny it took a while for them to mature uh, the id vehicles and I, I understand the software criticism that was out there but the you know the newer id vehicles like the new buzz the upgraded buzz that's coming uh, and the id7 with the bigger screen i forget the exact size but the, with the bigger screen id7 comes with a bigger battery as well 86 kilowatt hours all these little improvements they're making the vehicles feel more mature now and again you know with the id7 estate touring as they call the tourer as they call it with all of that space in the back more storage than a passat that is the new passat my only my only regret i said this on my podcast uh this week and it's oh, like hindsight's a wonderful thing is that the two ways of doing it which is we're going to make the and there was obviously an e-golf but like it's the e-golf it's the e-passat it's the e-touran i you know i just kind of wish that vw had, had not done done the id series because and i get all I, I get both sides of the argument it just feels like they're still pushing water uphill a little bit when they've got these incredible nameplates like polo golf passat stuff that you've lived with for you know, what is the Golf on now? Is it the Mark 8? The the comment section will know. Is it Mark right. 7, Mark 8 Golf? And it's like and there was an e-Golf obviously. And it was it was it was a good car as well. Um and you think, man, oh man, like if I, you know, if I if I had my time again and I was running VW, I probably would have just tried to take these legendary names and make them electric as because the Seven looks great, but call this the electric Passat and it sells like hotcakes. And you can still restyle it and all that kind of stuff. So that was my only, my only thoughts watching this. I'm like, this is a mature vehicle. It looks great. I absolutely want one. Um, I feel like they've matured into it now. The software is going to be a different issue because we heard about the carry-out issues this week as well uh, from yeah. uh, Manager Magazine in German- Germany, which is potential 2,000 layoffs uh, there. Uh, oh. You know, software so
1: didn't, is the... still... <clears throat> we didn't talk about it, but it's not another thing, so I don't know if you want to take a thir- 20 seconds
2: to tell us oh, about it should, that. like, yeah. One thing I want to jump on real quick because Martin said the software is going to be a problem. And this isn't coming from me because I can't comment. Yeah, I know, yeah. If you, if you look at Kyle's video, Kyle did a deep dive video on the, the new uh, uh, ID. Uh, he was an ID7 and it's a 15 inch screen. He, he displays all that. And he talks in depth about how quickly, uh, the how responsive it is with the new software 4.0. Uh, and uh, uh, watch his video if you're concerned about uh, the software, uh, and, uh, you know, before that the embargoes up, uh, Kyle, I think explains how impressed he was with how snappy the software was. And that video is there. He is yeah, in the video with the Volkswagen rep. And, uh, you know, you know, he seemed genuinely, uh, you know, happy with the improvement over the existing software. And ID4 is going to get this software too soon in like a few, a few months, I think. But, um, You mentioned software issues, Martin, so I just wanted to point that out. Kyle does a good explanation of it.
0: Go and watch this video because it does look so much better now.
2: Right. And that center displays as big as a display in like a Model 3 or Model Y, 15 inches. Okay. This has
1: more bezel on the the bottom there, it looks like.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the, uh, the heater controls. I think are illuminated now, and I still don't like them because there's nowhere to rest your palm, and you shouldn't have to... You shouldn't have to changed the heat with a silly slider and the steering wheel's horrible just use the steering wheel from the Golf. it's the best steering wheel you made uh so yeah that's silly decisions they made with the the high gloss buttons and stuff which i don't get on with but right overall if that bottom row with some physical buttons let's not try and fix what isn't broken a few physical buttons that's and i get all the reasons on cost savings and blah, 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 but uh you know and minimalism and all that and copying tesla but still a few buttons a proper steering wheel and this id7 looks an absolute proper you know Passat slash you know whatever you want competitor uh from vw in terms of the software yeah it was the german report from manager magazine this week which said that. Um, with the new uh, the new head in charge, they've changed earlier this year, they changed the head of carrier, their software division, uh, and they said uh, 2,000 people would leave VW software business over the next two years or in 2024 and 2025. And what the article didn't make clear, and what I can't find out, and I don't know anybody in Volkswagen to ask, uh, and I, if Volkswagen want to clarify to us, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Before Christmas, we were meant to see um, the McCann and the Q6 e-tron from Audi, both built on the new platform. They've both been moved back to sort of Easter time, March, April, with the news this week for this German report that the software 1.2 is going to be delayed again by 18 months. Do these two vehicles, the Macan and the Q6 e-tron, get delayed by 18 months? Because that would be... A disaster. I can't even contemplate if that's the truth. It would be a disaster. These vehicles, are, you know, they've got to come out now. And so yeah. software 1.2, forget software 2.0, which is now like 2728. Um, and we also saw the news this week from Google putting out the press release that they have signed on with Porsche to do Android Automotive. And you kind of, if I was working in Volkswagen's software department, I'd be like, well, the Porsche brand have gone, ah, we're out. Uh, You know, we're going to go with Google. Uh, From what I read in, again, a fluffy press release, it looks like it's going to be a subset within the Porsche software. So I think there'll be the Porsche logos, the Porsche user interface, and then you somehow go into that. It won't be like the full-blown, full-fat, you know, Volvo Polestar Android Auto (laughs) Experience or Android Automotive uh, that others are doing as well. I I just couldn't clarify so much stuff this week, but particularly is the Q6. Uh, and the McCann delayed because of these software issues, there was just no talk about it. So, um, yeah, I'd like to... I'd, if the comment section uh, from anyone more in the know than I am can fill us in, would love to know.
1: Right on. Um, just want to mention real quick, Hosea Rocco uh, just gave us a generous gift there as well, and I'd just like to thank you for that. Love this podcast, he says. Thank you, guys. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you. because. Right, we're having to pay our way, own way this since we've gone independent, and it's uh, tricky. And we also have oh, we have a super question, uh, Edgar Bernier, uh, since us uh, four ninety nine, and asks, would it make more sense to have the plug-in or uh, plug-in electric vehicle pickup truck with a hundred mile range, no less battery, no towing concerns, X Ford Lightning, fifty kilowatt. Uh, or for example, Ford Lightning with a 50 kilowatt hour battery and a three-cylinder turbo engine. Uh, I think we might see some of that actually from um, from Dodge. So I guess we're going to find out if it makes sense, right? Dodge is making their, their rev, the 1500 rev. I think it's going to have um, a range extended version. So l- like a you know plug-in electric hybrid v- version of that pickup truck. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Ford has something like that coming up too. Just like a guess, they haven't. I haven't heard any even rumors, but like if I saw, I would not be surprised if I saw news of a uh, a plug-in hybrid Maverick because they already make that in a hybrid form as well. So I, I just yeah, I I, I, I got to think that especially Stellantis companies and and Ford they have that plug-in hybrid frame of mind. GM has already said it's not doing plug-in hybrid, so. so-
2: my, my take on that is it makes sense for some use cases, but the problem with that is you you still have the ice. You still have all the maintenance of the ice. It's, it's, it's like neither fish nor foul plug-in hybrids. And yes, it will solve some people's issues, particularly people that live in really rural areas that have to travel very long distances where there isn't uh, very good charging infrastructure. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but one of the beautiful things about electric vehicles is there's no maintenance. And especially mm. for fleet managers. And you still have all that, ma- you still have to do the oil changes, the tune-ups. You still have, uh, you know, the mufflers that are gonna rot off and uh, exhaust systems to maintain. And somebody- Cadillus converter stolen. Yeah, t- to be stolen. So that <laughs> that's that's the downside of that. And one of the things that, in, I, I think until you've owned EVs and lived with them for a while, that you don't really appreciate is how easy they are to own. As far as maintenance-wise, there's nothing you have to do, and 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 you you know with the plug-in hybrid, you're still tethered to that maintenance schedule, and 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 putting money out more complicated things breaking, and uh, so that's that's my point of view on that. that yes, it, it would work and make sense for for a lot of people, particularly where we are today with regards to infrastructure. But in a few years, when infrastructure improves and we have uh you know electricity, uh, uh we have uh EV chargers more pr- proliferated uh, i just don't see the use case for the plug-in hybrid that much except for a very small uh limited number of 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 use cases where it will still uh apply but for the average person i am I'm, I'm not big on that 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 concept
1: right on uh, real quick uh thanks again to dylan and womack for his contribution here 49 and RWJR 44
2: look at gary like over here awesome
1: as well. Wow.
0: Oh wow. wow. Thank, you, Gary. Thank you,
1: Gary. Man, this uh crazy super sticker super sticker action happening today. We're <laughs> really appreciate I'm going that, out y'all. for dinner tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Dom's Dom's gonna go charge his model three after this. He's, He's like, not... yes, road more road trips, here we go.
2: Yeah. Keep it coming, and I'll be dipping into the top shelf liquor tonight.
0: Uh oh. Uh oh. Look out. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. <laughs>
1: All right. Um, so let's let's move on from um, from that. So two years ago, at the General Motors from automaker to platform innovator investor day event, uh, President Mark Royce announced that the that Chevrolet would announce would launch the uh, Equinox EV with a thirty thousand dollar price tag. It was almost exactly two years ago. Uh, This may be the the least surprising news ever, but we learned this week that the cheapest Chevy Equinox EV, the 1LT, would actually have an MSRP of $34,995. Some quick math, that's $4,995 more than what we uh, were kind of hoping it would be. So, of course, last week we learned that the Equinox EV is not coming out fall of 2023. So that's basically now. But uh, rather sometime early in the new year, and when it does come out, the initial trim level will be the 2RS. That's the top trim, which starts at forty-eight thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars in front-wheel drive, or if you want it in rear-wheel drive, you can pay them fifty-two thousand nine hundred or three hundred ninety-five dollars. The one, the one LT, the cheap one, comes out with uh, some unspecified time later in 2024. So the only silver lining here is that the original estimated ranges have been revised upwards. So the 1LT uh, is now getting 300 EPA miles from up, that's up from 250 miles, which is a pretty big jump. And the 2RS is getting 319 miles of range up from 300. So yeah, and that's the news on that. And But not to be that guy, but besides the rear, besides the rear real drive, Equinox EV, you know what else you can get for $52,000 and some change? Tesla Model Y performance. You went there, you you were that guy. I'm sorry for being that guy, but man, it's it's like a couple hundred dollars difference in price. You could get a rear wheel drive Equinox EV or an all wheel drive performance model y the same size vehicle basically uh, i think actually equinox is two three inches bigger longer um, and the model y is of an inch wider but this is a th- you know 3.5 seconds zero to 60 so you got crazy performance and not as not much range maybe but yeah i just think that's a weird sort of equation there you know like how much is an all-wheel drive version of the equinox going to be
0: now help me out here. I thought that the Model Y competitor that would cost 50-60 grand was called a I don't, we don't get the cars here. The Blazer that the Equinox was replacing the Bolt for 30,000. We get neither car here and uh, I was really confused at the news this week. So how does this small car cost as much as a Model Y? Uh,
1: that is a great question. And you know if, well, there you, we go. <laughs> if you go to like the Chevrolet website and look for answers well, good luck with that because ah uh, yeah, I, I know, I'm like I put this on threads uh, last night, late last night. I don't know what is going on with um with Chevrolet right now and their website, but yeah, Blazer and EV. They're they're shipping Blazer EVs to customers now, and I guess okay, the starting our MSRP is like sixty thousand dollars. But there's not even like a I don't think there's a build page here on the website. And, and it's
2: like stop. Uh, sorry to interrupt you but did did you did you see I hate when I do that I apologize I do it's that okay. a lot um did you see we had some people reach out to us on our batteries included email and also I had some per- people personally reach out to me about their they had deposits down for General Motors vehicles EVs and and they can't get a refund uh, I've had oh, that's per- true. three or four people reach out to me and say that now I don't know if it's a temporary thing because there's an issue with the website or something but they like removed. That section of the, it's still inexcusable. Remove that section of the website where you can you can ask for your deposit back. So um, we need to look into that. Uh, maybe even reach out to GM uh, because it just seems like it's a mess right now, as you were saying. Um, yeah. But I, I, but getting back to the Equinox, are we certain? And I I could be wrong about this. I, I don't have the best memory. That GM was saying it was thirty thousand, like um,
1: around thirty thousand. Uh, before or
2: after the. Re- like you know if it qualifies for the federal tax uh, that's, the key, right? that's right? the key that's the key because a lot of other manufacturers have done this and they've said we're going to be selling the car at this price but that was with the the tax credit baked in which is wrong but are d- d- did they ever specify that this will be the MSRP or or that you'll be able to get an Equinox for $30,000 i i don't like when they bake that those numbers in but a lot of manufacturers do that and if that yep. is the case then it's still a $30,000 or even less
0: um, EV. Yeah. And Tesla do it. They still, uh, yes. they don't do it on the UK website. I thought it was interesting. The US website still does the effective cost of a Tesla, which, you know, come on, just tell me what the car costs.
2: So Nebula's but, 1701 is saying they said the MSRP would be around 30000 I don't really remember that. And you could be right. I, I'm not saying they did or didn't. I was just throwing that question out there
0: what amazes me this was all part of the earnings call which was what tuesday or something uh when they find it was around monday or tuesday beginning of the week when they announced the the specs and the ranges and i remember doing a podcast for ev news daily earlier this week and bringing up uh which is now back on youtube by the way dear viewers i'm so bad at doing the i've had so many attempts at doing the youtube version and i've never liked it but anyway the last week has been back on youtube and I, it's okay. I was going to mention um, that. I, I'd rather just do an audio version, but Kyle and Don it's kept great. saying, no, it's great. Dude, just and turn the, even if you're just doing this and talking to the camera, do your daily podcast. And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, and um,
1: people are responding in your comments. I've read a bunch of comments. I, I haven't looked at your your numbers yet, but uh, yeah. Um, but
0: they but they said, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Dom. because you've been, you've been a huge encouragement to me to say, look, just turn on the camera, do your daily podcast. On YouTube, uh, and it'll spread the word for the audio version. Uh, there's 2,000 episodes in the archive. If anybody anybody wants it, but I said on t- Monday or Tuesday, like you know when um, uh, they said it was either Mary Barrett or someone said, uh, "Hey, we're moving it back from spring, but we'll try and get the one LT out I- I- this year for a calendar year 25." And I'm like, "Whoa!" Someone in the you know in the website department at Chevrolet is really quickly trying to get rid of this. Uh, which says available spring 2024 like someone's going to get a rocket email to be like change the website and here we are on friday with just
1: it it, it wasn't wasn't this last night i I put this on on yeah
0: and it's like it still says available spring there is zero chance this car is coming in the spring if you listen to what this earlier in the week which was we'll try and get it out for 2025 model year but the more expensive ones and it's like how big is this company But I'm pretty sure they've got somebody in the website department that's like, Dave, can you just change that now? It's like, how many layers of management and processes do these big companies have to go through to to, to just to get it right? Sorry, it just frustrates me when there's stuff like this, because this is real people, real customers, real people watching this podcast, spending their own hard earned money. And I just want the... The, these some of these car companies who know better to tell people what to expect when to expect it i don't think 30 or 35 grand is a big deal we're going to see Cybertruck november 30th that's going to be a hundred thousand dollar truck if you want if you want a tri-motor or a you know dual motor let's make no bones about it there's going to be i think it'll be like 99 i think they'll try and get it under 100 there's there's no 40 grand cyber truck and i'm not angry about that no 30 grand equinox i mean they're going to keep the bolt going with Altium Tech. But to right. do like messy stuff, like, oh, we don't know when these cars are coming, and you can get a Blazer, but you can't build one. And like, oh, come on. Just get it right. Come All on.
1: Right. So so speaking of the Cybertracks and moving along, because we've got, just got a couple minutes left. I want to hit this before Ooh. we get out. So the, that's, that's launching in just a few weeks, the, the official delivery event. And there's a ton of details that we don't know about it. However, after an appearance on Joe Rogan's show, Tesla CEO Elon Musk revealed a couple of things. And actually, Joe Rogan revealed something as well. Like if you're driving through uh, Sherwood Forest in the 1500s, don't, worry, have to, don't have to worry about being shot by arrows because they'll explode when you when you shoot the sabre truck with them that's just a little thing going around uh, i guess that's something he did i didn't see the actual footage of it but uh, oh
0: i i did watch um, And you know i'm sorry joe rogan is not necessarily my cup of tea uh, but as we talk about evs all the time i thought well the the head of the the biggest ev work maker in the world is on a, a podcast i should mm-hmm. watch that you um should. and there was very little tesla talk <laughs> There was a lot I'm of putting sorry. the world to rights and these crazy right. liberals out there. But uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it got very political and, you know, yeah. pandemic-y stuff. But the first bit was about the cars. Uh, and so if you want to watch it, go watch the first bit. And that's all the Tesla stuff, really.
1: So basically, he One said the Cybertruck will weigh about six to 7,000 pounds, depending on the configuration. And there's some version of it's going to have what they're calling beast mode, which must says they're aiming for a seven three seconds zero to 60 i think it's kind of late in the game to still have performance aims out there like it's like a few weeks from you don't have that dialed in yet i don't know what uh tom what what how are you even excited about the cybertruck at this point
2: yeah i'm kind of over it i can't wait to drive <laughs> one just to see what it's like but it's just dragged on so long i have like you know uh, I, I'm I'm just tired of it. Like, bring the the vehicle out. Let us let, let us let us check it out. But all this crazy stuff, like shooting arrows <laughs> at it and everything. But I will say the one thing that I would love to do, if I could get a hold of an early uh, uh, Cybertruck somehow, I want to record me throwing uh, steel balls <laughs> at the windows. Uh, because I, I want to see if they've improved <clears throat> that. I think that video would just like it would more than pay to replace the 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 glass. Uh, in it, you know, so sure, I, I, sure. if I get an early version Cybertruck somehow, um, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get a, a big, heavy metal ball, I may even get the <laughs> ball ahead of time so it's ready and throw it at the windows <laughs> to see if they fix that. So, okay, I mean, there was that, 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 that that's my test.
0: Uh, uh, we look forward to seeing it. There is this weird obsession with trying to damage the vehicle, like yeah. I, now. I know we got a ghost. So this is my final point on Cybertruck, which I've not said out loud yet. So I'll try and synthesize my thoughts into my mouth in 30 seconds. Is Elon Musk and Tesla stuck in the past? Because throwing a ball at the window, rah, 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 you can make it uh, bulletproof. Like Joe Rogan got his bow and arrow and shot a bow at it and it you know, it was fine. And Elon still talked on the, on the Joe Rogan show about, oh, you can put bulletproof glass on it. And it seems like in the last four years, the world has moved on And I'm kind of over that because we've got the Ford F-150, we've got the Rivians, and we've got all the great trucks out there that we have a proper conversation about EV trucks. And they just keep coming back to this, look how much punishment we can give it. And I don't know, he's so busy running social media and stuff, if he can still read the room as well as he did, because I thought he was always so good at, 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 at reading the zeitgeist, reading culture reflecting it back sometimes, amplifying it. And I don't know whether he is just so busy or so in his bubble, that he's not reading the room right, but I'm just so over, like, who cares if you shoot it with a bow and arrow? Can it drive, you say it's an off-road vehicle, can it drive up a hill? Like, we haven't seen it do any off-roading. Uh, Jalopnik but, did just, post a video this week of it going up a, a dirt hill with all its tyres spinning, and it, it couldn't really do it. Right. But, but It's look, a
1: little turkey place, actually, That Little Hill. There's footage of Rivian doing yeah, it. Yeah, so, I thinking, mean, ah, uh, come but, on. But, but looking <clears> at that video, we don't know if it has front lockers, if they're, if they're engaged. We don't know what's going on. It's really hard to say it can't go up a hill if we don't know the whole situation behind it so it it did look damning i would say Mm. it didn't look like it it wasn't performing as you you would hope it would off-road because it was a very light course as well not not
0: that challenging have we got to say goodbye? Have We got to say goodbye to Tom to go get a delivery. Okay. And The two of us yeah. wrap up?
2: Someone's been rapidly ringing my doorbell for the last few minutes, and they okay. won't leave, so they must really want to see me. So- okay, well, okay.
0: we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> dropping like flies today, but Tom and I can finish off.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kept one more okay. thing I want to talk about. real Yeah, quick, yeah, carry was, on, carry on. See you, Tom. We'll see you next it week, It doesn't Tom. seem like they're leaving, so maybe oh, okay. I can stay yeah. for another minute. Okay. <laughs> they, they, usually people would give up by now, but this person just keeps ringing my bell. So. <laughs>
1: ah. Okay, well one i just want to mention this one thing because it's really kind of cool so uh VinFast has faced its issues with the launch of its first model in the us the vf8 it's gotten terrible reviews it's not exactly selling like hot cakes of course uh but the company is spending billions of dollars on a new factory and they have now decided to move to a hybrid retail sales model that involves dealers so they signed up 27 of them so far and they have shown them, the, the VF3 to them, and uh, th- these dealers are like eager to have the automaker sell it here. So the VF3, if you, you need to scroll up just a bit more, there, uh, Martin. The VF3, they've d- developed this vehicle for Vietnam market actually, but it's like it's kind of like cute as a button. Like I showed this to Kyle, I was trying to tell to him tell him, about, oh, Vin- VinFast has this thing, and he was like, nah, no, I didn't want to see it. But then when he saw it, it's like oh actually this is uh pretty cool it's like 16 inch wheels it's 10 and a half feet long it's kind of tiny they want to sell it for around 20,000 us before the incentives so i think it could be a i think this actually this car if they build it robustly enough and it's you know good enough that's you know a lot of some ifs there but they're looking at uh, Vietnam and other emerging markets like India. The plant even fast is going to India. It's a huge market, and this would be an incredible vehicle for that market. I think uh, tough, but a lot better looking than, than a lot of the traditional Indian designs. But that's all I have to say about that.
2: I don't know how they get it under twenty thousand dollars in passing U.S. you know safety and crash test standards. True. Like that's
1: true. I mean, it, a, if they do, good.
2: if this if this comes to market and it's it's safe and it's you know 18995 that it will sell it will sell because it's just that price point it's like you remember the Hyundai Accents in the mid 80s that were mm-hmm. like 2999 everyone knew they were junk but people Two could afford one. them so you know they bought them and uh you know so that'd be cool right hey, so uh, we, we should go,
1: we have to go now but uh, we are getting uh, lots of little donations and here's one yeah. quick question from Mark Scheller. when did when I did the uh, Blazer EV reservation, I, it said RS rear wheel drive, but when it came to order, came time to order, they only offered E all wheel drive for sixty thousand yeah. one hundred twenty five dollars. Wow. Shame. It's been a mess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah
2: and Mark, it's really been a mess. Five
1: dollars. Thank you, Mark.
2: Thanks, guys. We really appreciate all these. Uh, you know, all, all all this money that you're giving us. This is fantastic. As we said earlier, you know, we took a big hit moving out and doing this on our own, whereas we used to get paid to do it. And now it's like, we're like, hmm, we've got expenses. <laughs> this is costing us money to do, but we knew it was the right decision. And eventually it's 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 uh, it's it, it should turn out to be something good for all of us. But we super appreciate that you guys are are, are doing this. And uh, we love our followers. You, you guys are the reasons why we continue doing this. And uh, thanks for everything.
1: Right on. And so I guess that brings us to the end of our show, Kyle, or Kyle, Tom has to answer his <laughs> door. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them below or get in touch with us on the social media platform of your choice. Don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, uh, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's been a great uh, show having you all here. The qu- the comments and the, the donations are just top notch. Uh, Thank you all very much for joining us and we'll see you all again very soon. Ciao.